What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another scintillating edition of Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW podcast with the Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington. There is Barry Horn. Guilty. Guilty. And Evan Grant is not with us for this podcast. He's in Toronto. He's in Toronto covering baseball. In Toronto covering baseball, we're going to talk hockey with our baseball writer in Toronto, it, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, then again, no, we're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk hockey with Bob Sturm, yeah. our, our local hockey expert, Maven, pretty much an expert on, on anything, uh, but certainly on hockey and NFL or on football. Bob, uh, thanks for coming in and joining us this morning. My pleasure. How are you? Uh, we're great. I have to ask the first question: Stars, goal te- goalkeeping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before you start. Shouldn't the goal? Shouldn't a goalkeeper be counted on to win a game to actually win a game for his team? Yeah, that's the idea this time of year. That's why you pay them handsomely is to uh, hopefully uh, be part of the pro- uh, part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, things don't always go that way, though, right? Uh, yeah. What about what about uh, game two on Sunday? What went, what went right for Kari Lentner? Well, I, uh, nothing went right for Kari Lennon except they didn't make him stay out there for two more periods. Uh, so so I guess from the standpoint of uh, getting yanked, I don't know. I mean, he's a really interesting player because, uh, you know, using all my draft jargon, and please uh, excuse the occasional airplane here as I find the place where I live that has the best cell reception, but it also might be on a flight path. Um, so he, the thing about Kari is when... when when he plays his best, he can be pretty special. He's got uh, he's, he's toolsy and all that. But uh, using draft jargon, he has that really high ceiling, really low floor problem, which means on his day, he's fine. He might be better than uh, the opponent down the ice. But uh, when he's not on his game, uh, he's a mess. And it almost appears to be primarily between the ears because uh, I think we saw last Sunday, and maybe this is a Sunday trend, <laughs> Last Sunday in Minnesota, when he uh, gave up one, you kind of felt the avalanche coming, and uh, and not the uh, late '90s, early aughts uh, Colorado avalanche, but the avalanche of pucks going behind him and lights going on behind him, and that those are bad things. But, and really, you know, it happened again yesterday after looking so great on Friday night in Game One, uh, in Game Two, uh, you know, just a, a rather innocent play turned into a goal after Goligoski gave the Stars the lead and. Um, from there, he just looked a little bit unsettled. Not that he got tons of favors from his defensemen, and that always is, is, is part of the big picture with the Dallas Stars, but they paid Kari a lot of money. In fact, uh, he's darn near the highest paid player on the team. I believe Spezza makes more, but I think that's it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the problem when uh, during the playoffs, and uh, it's already happened twice, and we've only been in the playoffs about two weeks, that uh, we kind of look at Kari and say, dude, is that the best we can do back there? Because if it is, this may not go on very much longer. 
All right, so we, we saw in, in game one, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, Bob, I got to tell you, I, I always hate to hear this from athletes when, when they say after the game and after they do something well, when they've been criticized uh, for the fact that they haven't been able to do this, oh, see, all those critics out there, they don't know what they're talking about. We can do this. So, you know, the plan has been because, because Kari has not played up to his contract, uh, that the, first of all, they went out and got another uh, goalie to, to share time with him, but paying, paying him a lot of money, paying him a lot of money as well. Uh, but you know, the whole idea was this: uh, you know, we're going to play keep away. Uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to cycle and cycle and cycle, and 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 you know, which to me was always a bad idea. You can only do that kind of thing for so long. So you know, did you did you were you physical enough? Could you play defense in front of, of your goalie? And, and so in game one, they do that. Lots of hits, very physical. They do a great job, and they're all talking about what a great job they do. Then where did that go in game two? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that, it, it sounds a little like I have to across sports, but uh, I am one to do that sort of thing. Um, uh, it, it's, it's like running back to the future defense. It's a theory on paper, but there's going to come a time where you can't hide your goaltender. And uh, in the Cowboys' case, I don't think they'll be able to hide their defense uh, any better with Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, you just to tie those two things together, uh, the, the, the ninth, you know, the Ken Hitchcock Dallas Stars, which we all remember with great fondness, uh, they had about as great a defense as you could possibly design. They had uh, Selkie Award winners up front playing forward for them uh, who were known for their great defense. Then they had great defensemen. Uh, who uh, complemented each other in their skill set, and they went about six deep, which is uh, remarkable. That said, given that roster and that coach and just everything that that team preached about defense, there were still times where Ed Belfour had to be the best player on the ice or the Stars were going home. And so uh, I like the idea that occasionally there will be nights where uh, you could get Kari Letton in a stool back there. But uh, honestly... The further you go in the playoffs, the less likely that's to happen because, uh, you know, how the playoffs work, there are no bad teams left. (laughs) The further you advance, the bad teams are weeded out. And you know what? Good teams are not going to let you win a playoff game, let alone a playoff series against them, without making sure your goalie answers all the questions. So uh, it's a matter of time, but I would imagine there will be far more games like Sunday where he's going to have to be great than there will be like Friday where the team seems to take a lot of the pressure off of him. Well, I think the good news is if, if they're playing every other day, they won't be playing this Sunday, the upcoming Sunday. Cause that is true. So that, that, that's good news. But sooner or later, this is going to catch up to them. Agree? Well, that's, that's definitely what the odds would tell you. Um, the, you know, when you look at uh, St. Louis, for instance, and, and this is honestly, it, it, it's a weird pick-your-poison type of uh, situation because St. Louis, uh, I think was probably um, the team that uh, you know if you could if you could say at the start of the playoffs I get to vote out three Western teams uh, if you were looking at the best three Cup contenders from the West you would say well let's get rid of the Kings the Blackhawks and the Ducks which happened right uh, but but unfortunately the Blues honestly and I've thought this all season long and I think I've said it a number of times. Uh, uh, that could be verified with a Google search is, is just that I think the Blues are built to deal with the Blackhawks, and if the Stars are kind of a Blackhawks light clone with their puck possession and their speed and their skill, then then the matchup would also apply to Dallas. Except that it, the, the Stars would not have the benefit of uh, of uh, three Stanley Cups, uh, you know, credibility. Uh, so 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 I thought all along that despite 
the ridiculous idea of hoping to play a three-time cup champion in Chicago. I thought the matchup suggested that you would rather play the Blackhawks in round two than the Blues because the Blues can really, really make it tough on you. And I think maybe if you want to go the cup is half full, which I hope to because it's only game two, um, is that the Stars have really, really played well uh, in many aspects of their game, including the what we thought might be impossible yesterday, which is figure out a way to come, come up back. come back from 3-1 down against the Ken Hitchcock uh, Blues uh, team that was just going to make that impossible. So they did that. They darn near could have and should have been up 2 nothing in the series. Uh, but uh, but now it's it's all square, and, uh, you know, this hopefully will provide us with uh, another week and a half and another five games of uh, edge-of-your-seat, heart-stopping entertainment. Uh, I, you know, I, I, think, I think that's good for everybody, and it's good for hockey locally. And I think the Stars can win this series, but clearly they can't have any more free period uh, against the uh, or free goal against periods, uh, that's, that's a killer against a team that can play defense. And, and, and St. Louis might have the two best goaltenders in this series. I, I saw the arena get excited when Brian Elliott was down yesterday because he took that puck in the face off Spezza. Right. But uh, tr- trust me, their backup goalie is uh, Jake Allen. He's, he's got to be better than anything the Stars have. Let me, and because of that, Bob, you know, you know me, Mr. Hockey, uh, but what? how many teams have gone deep into to the Stanley Cup playoffs when uh, you, you when you have to go to your goal. If there's a situation like that, then yeah, okay, right. But when you're not sure which one you want, how many teams have done that? Man, I mean, you know, there there, there have been times, of course. Uh, Detroit has used kind of a two goalie system uh, from time to time. With uh, was it Hashik and Osgood? I got to mm-hmm. check yeah. my notes. Right, and, right. Uh, and, and, and clearly, Chicago has. Uh, as, as one cup with uh, with Lux and uh, top of the world goaltenders, but but really the story has been predicted by a lot of people uh, nationally who don't uh, wave uh, stars pom poms or uh, pay the stars for tickets every year like I do. Um, a lot of a lot of the national people who are uh, who are not biased uh, anticipate a summer where the stars try to find that final piece, a la going to get Belfour uh, in what the summer of ninety. Seven maybe, right. uh, may, maybe that summer of sixteen is kind of a repeat story where uh, because because of the upcoming expansion draft uh, where teams can only protect a goalie, uh, maybe the stars uh, make a big run at a big uh, salary goalie to, to try to fix this once and for all in the summer. But of course, that's a really defeatist way to uh, uh, to to look at the end of the series and and, and maybe a, a, the stars figuring it out going on a cup run. That's really, you know, that's really the remarkable thing here is we talk about the playoffs every year for our entire life for hockey fans, and we always talk about uh, goaltending and special teams. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, the power play hasn't killed St. Louis, and uh, their goaltending has been second best, and, and that's where we are two games into the series. I, I picked up uh, the Dallas Morning News today and read Tim Collishaw's column, and Tim, Tim is a numbers guy in case, in case you didn't he's He's huge into numbers. He's a savant when it comes to numbers. I'm not yeah, he made higher on his uh, math portion of his of his SAT than he did on the, <laughs> the, the on the verbal part. I thought you were going to say he made higher on the math portion. You know, what, I've, I've, always told, I've always told him, sh- you know, you should have been an accountant because you, you would have played to your skill set better. I, I, I thought you were going to say he made higher on the math portion of his SAT than you made on your entire SAT. Oh, no, that's not true. That is not true. <laughs> but that's what, I thought, that's what I thought you But Tim contends, and he cited statistics, that home ice advantage really doesn't matter. And I can't believe that's true. Your thoughts on that? 
The well, I, I think it really matters in Game 7. In fact, I think, I think the Game 7 number is right around 85%. So that, oh. that, hardly, that hardly seems random. Um, but if you're saying home ice in general doesn't matter that much, uh, you know, he certainly has the benefit of evidence, uh, even this playoff season, uh, in his hands. Now, uh, there are teams that preach uh, line matchups, and you can only do that at home because you get last right. change after each whistle. And uh, the Stars don't really believe in that necessarily, so, so it should not affect them too much. But the, the idea that St. Louis going home uh, should be able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, pick whoever they want on the ice against Jamie Benn, whoever they want on the ice against Jason Spezza. They should be able to do that uh, much easier than they can do it in Dallas. But, uh, you know, there, there are obviously ways around that. So the so home ice matters. And doggone, I'm going to be happy if this series goes Game Seven. That's going to be in Dallas and not St. Louis, but uh, but it only it, it can only get you so far, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I had a uh, strange television watching day yesterday. I got up early and, and actually watched a soccer game. I watched Leicester City, Leicester City, and Manchester United play in in a delightful. Did you watch the game? Uh, of course I did. Yeah. Were were you, were you rooting for Leicester City as as I was? Any anybody who uh, has any the, the, the slightest heart and the slightest joy of an underdog uh, being successful, anyone who is not on actually on Tottenham uh, or has a relative on Tottenham who isn't cheering for Leicester City, uh, it's just that would that would be sad to me. If they are they are a legitimate and I mean legitimate five thousand to one shot. Now I'm not trying to. Um, help somebody, uh, you know, uh, win a massive bet. But if somebody did put any money on Leicester City at the start of the season, they were absolutely doing it as a joke. Right. Uh, it was a lark. There was no chance they thought they would have a chance. They were doing that as kind of a, hey, I'm a Leicester City fan, and I believe. But you really don't believe. That's, that's insane. The the idea that they can close this deal, and I the problem with explaining it, uh, to especially to the American sports fan, is there's really no comparison. People say, well, uh, it's probably like the miracle on ice of Lake Placid, and I nope. say that's that's my single favorite sports story, but it's not even close because that's a two week tournament that really requires only about six games. This is a ten month marathon with uh, thirty eight matches and no salary cap, and so literally the eleven players they put on the field uh, combined, the fees to bring them in are less than one player on Manchester United, let alone the entire roster. It's about a, I, I think the number was something like, uh, uh, they have 7% of the assets uh, on the on the field as Manchester United or Manchester City or Chelsea or these big boys. It's impossible for Leicester City to win the premiership. This is a once-in-a-lifetime story, and it can happen today. If Tottenham doesn't win at Chelsea, Leicester City will be champions. And, and, and I swear to you, there's nothing in sports you can compare the story to. Well, I, I'm glad you had an opinion on that. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you had a thought on that because I, my next day, not only did I get up and watch the uh, soccer game at 8 o'clock in the morning, then I watched the entire hockey game. And uh, after the game, I watched all the post-game shows and everything. The penalty that they called on Roussel. Yes. Penalty or not pe- in, in overtime, which gave, which gave uh, St. Louis the man advantage in the power play goal. Penalty or not? And yes or no, but I'll preface it with I hate penalties and overtime. And I also know that people hate that opinion of mine because they say 
it's very frustrating to them that uh, there are situations where a penalty should not be a penalty, and there are other times, you know, I mean, it's hockey. It's hockey, and so uh, most of us who grew up around the sport, we love our fights, and we love our overtimes uh, being complete prison rules and all of that. That said, when you look at that game from what appears to at least be as close to uh, unbiased as I can get, I would have to admit that the Klingberg penalty earlier in overtime was a legitimate penalty that stopped a scoring chance from one of the most talented players in the league in Tarasenko. And then the, uh, the Roussel penalty uh, along the blue line there, that created a scoring chance that could have ended the game if it had gone uncalled. So as much as I hate to admit it, Roussel has to do a much better job of uh, trying to look innocent. And uh, that, I, unfortunately, that's a penalty. Now, those are both penalties, which I do. Your argument could be, boy, it sure would have been nice if 30 seconds before that when uh, Paul Stastny hauls down someone right. in front of uh, Niemi that that's called as well. But uh, that does not take away the yes or no uh, merits of uh, Roussel's penalty, which I am sad to report. To me, that's a penalty every day of the week. All right, Bob, uh, we have we got you here, and so we cannot let you go without asking you about the draft. I, I read your fine uh, synopsis today. I thought it was very fair all the way around. I, I especially liked your uh, the caveat there at the first when you talked about the fact that, that grades are ridiculous. I hate the grades. I think it was always a bad deal when we would give grades to the, the Cowboys' offensive line immediately after the game. We used to require our reporters to do that. Uh, someone would actually grade the offensive line from watching it on the field during a game, which was just <laughs> ludicrous to me that we used to do that. But at any rate, as you said, you don't want to give them a, you don't want to give them a, a, a grade. But let me just ask you this. All right, first of all, we, we know that uh, you felt like it, with the first pick, uh, you certainly like Zeke Elliott as a running back, but probably would have leaned toward maybe Jalen Ramsey instead. Yeah, I, I would have. I, I my perfect solution to this draft. Uh, I was asked a million times, uh, you know, what, "What are you doing when it comes uh, to number four? Uh, I, I did not imagine Jalen Ramsey was going to be available before everyone started making trades for quarterbacks. But once those trades happened, the, the Cowboys had a chance to take the best defensive player in the draft. I thought, or maybe the best player in the draft, uh, although quarterbacks always uh, turn the market on its ear. And, and so I thought the chance to get a blue-chip difference maker at uh, corner or corner safety was uh, a really great idea. But then, honestly, what governs my decision-making process at number four is partly I just would never take a running back that high unless I was absolutely positive it, uh, that running back was Adrian Peterson or something very similar to it. And I think with each passing year, definitely with each passing generation, running back is becoming less and less important. Uh, the Cowboys are trying, I think, to win at a very high level by kind of using their 1990s philosophy, which, you know, in 2014 it was pretty convincing. But the rest of the NFL doesn't really believe that 1990s football works. They believe it's a passing league. They believe that, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, and we know this, we can look at any Cowboy game in the last couple of years uh, where most available, and the game is in doubt. Uh, anytime in the final eight minutes, if the Cowboys are tied or behind, pretty much every play they're going to call is going to be a pass. So in that situation, uh, if you're tied or behind, late in a game, the game's on the line, 
you obviously pay your quarterback what you do because he now decides the outcome of the game. They had DeMarco Murray in 2014. DeMarco Murray helped ice away a few games, but when they needed rallies, heck, when they were trying to rally against Detroit in the playoffs or Green Bay in the playoffs, they weren't running the ball in the fourth quarter. They weren't running the ball at all, so to put everything in running back seems crazy. That's because the quarterback uh, gets to the line and – Checks off. <laughs> he checks he, into the play he and wants. He, went, he checks into yeah. the, a passing. But of course, play what you get here with was Zeke Kelly. They drafted him for that. That's exactly why they drafted him there, Bob, was so he could be picking up the blitzer when the uh, in their at the at the key point of the game. That's well, what they want him to be a blocker there at the end of the or game. Or he can keep That's the defense off the field uh, for no. For, I, I'm just being facetious, but uh, you know. But uh, listen, I didn't have as much problem. With the pick, if you really believe he's going to be a great player, if you believe he's going to be Adrian Peterson, then then okay, go ahead. Uh, I will I will say this: I was I was stunned by the second round pick uh, of of Jalen Smith. Well, what, what about this? What if they had taken Ramsey with the first pick and taking Derek, and if they want a running back, taking Derek Henry with the second? Yeah, I believe pick. I, I would believe that, I would, that, that. Would, would you like that better? Oh my gosh, yes! I think Derek Henry because would have uh, absolutely destroyed teams, and that's and that's really even it's not it's not at all something that Elliott is not a, a really good player. I, I I will stop short of saying he has Adrian Peterson traits or Todd Gurley traits. Even I think he's a slightly below that, but I still think he's far and away the best running back in this market. That said, with the Dallas Cowboys specific situation of having so much talent on their offensive line. And so much success running the ball with replacement-level running backs like Darren McFadden, it seems foolish to me to take your biggest asset and to, and to fix something that's not broken. So uh, basically, if you could get a, a top college running back, maybe not the best one, but the second or third or fourth best running back later on in this draft, kind of using the same theory they used with Dak Prescott, we like the kid, but there's a price where it's too expensive, so let's wait. That's what I wish they would have done at running back, uh, and, and, and that, I think, would have been the better way to skin the cat. That said, um, if the object of the game is to leave the draft with elite talent you didn't already have, to get Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith, assuming they have medical information that uh, gives them the likelihood that Jalen Smith will be Jalen Smith again really soon, within 12 months, then, you know, that's, that's still a pretty good day. On top of that, they get, you know, a couple defensive linemen that should be able to step right into their rotation. Uh, and, and, and so, Bob, uh, it was, Bob, Bob you, would have been, you and Kevin would have been able to step into the rotation. <laughs> well, you know, with, with, with signing Cedric Thornton, with getting Benson Malaya from uh, Oakland, and then these two kids, uh, even with the foolishness of Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, hypothetically, the cupboard is not bare up front, uh, especially they should be better at stopping the run. So I don't, you know, I, I know everyone wants an A-plus or an F-grade on every single draft, and I'm just not that type of guy. I think we require a little nuance here. I, I think they did okay. I think they could have done better, but, but I realize every Cowboy fan is so excited that Ezekiel Elliott is Emmett Smith, so I, I don't want to uh, rain on the parade. I just, I just think they could have. I, I think they could have spent slightly differently. You know, it's interesting to me, you know, and you brought the point, and I think it's absolutely true when they drafted Zeke Elliott. I think that that's exactly what Jerry Jones was thinking. I've got my uh, new Emmett Smith. But on the, on the other side of the ball, on defense, you know, what was the, the earmark of those early Cowboys uh, teams under Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson was the fact that, okay, we got a great de- defense. we got guys who can really run up front. They're really fast. But the linebackers were just so-so. 
And it seems funny to me that they are so intent now on building with linebackers. Uh, because, you know, we have Sean Lee, terrific linebacker. I'd say Sean Lee was as good as any linebacker they've had in the last 25 years when he's healthy. Uh, and then and then you add Jalen Smith to that. That's another guy with tremendous athletic ability. Is that is that talk? Is, are we talking about the difference in the game today because of no, what's required no. of linebackers in coverage, or is that just a completely different mindset? All bulletin, otherwise? Kevin Sherrington. What Jerry Jones did not make those draft picks. No, I know that back back in the Jimmy Johnson era, those were Jimmy's picks, and that was Jimmy's defense. So now you have a totally different philosophy. Well, if we're saying he's this doing the Jerry, same thing but, on offense, why Jerry, would they be Jerry, on defense? Jerry, Jerry hasn't flip-flopped at all. He has the, the people advising him, the people actually uh, in charge, they've, they've changed. Well, let's oh, yeah, and, yeah and, I, and I think I think what's interesting, though, is, and I don't mean to make everything, you know, a discussion of money or something like that, but I do think at some point you are required to do a little draft uh, study and, uh, and and kind of cross-reference it with career spans. And I think the positions of Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith are the two positions that the NFL has kind of stopped overpaying for because uh, they are high-collision uh, uh, positions that are just, it's impossible for human beings to endure for years at a time and, and to live long careers. Uh, you, we always talk about the money for positions, uh, quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and cornerback. These are long lifespan positions. Now, there are exceptions, of course, to every rule, but the uh, odds are all four of those positions, a player can still be pretty good in his 30s. But, uh, but if you are a run-and-hit linebacker or a running back, odds are by the time you're 28, um, teams are going to start getting a little squeamish about offering you a five-year deal because uh, I, the research simply says, you know, and, and we saw it this year with inside linebacker, there were several guys who retired before their 30th birthday, and it wasn't just because of concussions. It's just because they, their body couldn't take it anymore. And, and so uh, when you look at it from that standpoint, and I'm not saying Jalen Smith is Patrick Willis, and I'm not saying that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is, is uh, you know, any one of these short career running backs, including – uh, Darren McFadden, for instance, who already looks used up in his late 20s, or excuse me, uh, DeMarco Murray. Um, you know, it, it, odds are these are the two positions that the rest of the league says we don't spend a lot of uh, high draft picks on because careers are shorter, and that needs to be considered. But but before we say goodbye, maybe I just want to return. Will the Stars, remember them? Oh, that's right. We were talking about that. How about the Stars? Will they, Can they win this series? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they can. I, I don't know that I would... I don't know that I've bet heavily on it um, because the Blues are. Really <laughs> I think he would say they were really good. What's that? Uh, we, 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 we lost. We, you. we lost you for a second there, Bob. Oh no! Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I don't know what's going on with the phone here. I apologize. No, I I was moving. How's that? Um, I no, I think the Stars can absolutely win this series, but I also uh, recognize that. Uh, uh, you know the Blues are probably a little bit further along uh, with with their team growth, and uh, would probably have to be favored as you look at it uh, before the series and this morning. Uh, I think you would probably have a similar conclusion that the Blues are probably a uh, uh, you know a fifty five percent favorite to win the series, and I, I don't think that they slap in the face of the stars. I think it's just the reality that this is a really good opponent they're playing. And, and and so be it. When you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're going to play a really good team, and this is uh, maybe the first one. 
And uh, if they're lucky enough to survive St. Louis, they'll go play another really good team and then another one. And if they can beat all three of those teams and maybe be underdogs in all three of those series, uh, maybe not. But uh, then, then you get to hold the Stanley Cup, and that's a once-in-a-lifetime accomplishment for most hockey players. Beautiful. Bob, you've, you've steered us through uh, hockey, soccer, and the NFL draft all in 27 minutes. An unbelievable job, and we appreciate that so but, much. But there's only one paycheck coming. But, one that's podcast. Right. That's, not right. three. that's it. We'd love to have you on again to talk about any one of these things or something else, for that matter. Maybe we could talk. I'm, I'm really into Leicester City now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you just like the fact that you can say that. I did. Because I thought it was Leicester. <laughs> or, or, but now that I know it's Leicester City, I'm all for them. Very good. Very good. good. The Foxes. Anytime, guys. I appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you. Great to have you. There goes Bob Sturm, uh, one of our favorites, a, a really a really nice guy, swell guy, uh, and very knowledgeable, works very hard in his of, craft. Kind of his, his knowledge is encyclopedic. Is that a word? Uh, well, he's a very bright guy. I'll say that. Uh, well, I, and, and which reminds me, now we're going to have to call. We're going to do a baseball podcast with Evan Grant. Is not he, a very bright guy. Not a very bright guy. No, no. So we like we us. have we have a day a ch- day chock full of podcasts with not very bright guys. You and I. <laughs> yeah, that's and Evan. Correct. We've already talked a little bit about the Cowboys. We're going to talk about the Rangers. We've talked about the Stars, and uh, so. Please. We're going to talk about the Cowboys as well. We'll talk about the Cowboys again, maybe with some surprise guests. Yes. So we'd like to thank everybody for listening to this edition, this soccer, hockey, Cowboys edition of Ballsy. We had it all. See ya.